Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dr. D here, popping in just to tell you about our friendly neighborhood painting gallery. The painting gallery with no name is a friendly painting competition to encourage accountability to your pile of shame. At the end of the season, praise and prizes will be given out as a reward. At the end of the season, the Discord will vote on two winners. These winners will get a prize, and then we'll raffle out additional prizes to the remaining participants. At season end, we'll announce the winners on the show and celebrate one of the best parts of the hobby. This season's theme is a character with flight. MCP, 3D printed, or a Marvel board game, they'll all count as long as they follow that theme. Remember, take a picture of your unpainted or lightly painted model. Then paint the heck out of it. Take four photos of the freshly competed masterpiece and send us all five photos at furypainting at gmail.com by February 6th to submit your entry. Make sure your five pictures have your name on the file so we know where to send the prizes. Good luck and have fun. I speak for everyone when I say we are excited to see what you managed to paint. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate. You call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more like the battles that we never could. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast devoted to discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken. I'm joined, as I am every episode, by my co-host, Chris Bruffett. How are you doing today, Chris? Jesse, it has been a rough couple weeks in real life man it really has but i got some good news man it is lvo weekend lvo's about to start yeah we have got we're i mean so much information to parse after this weekend we'll see how everybody places what teams did what that is super yep. exciting stuff we have got some excellent releases coming up we have got some awesome teases we're waiting to drop yeah you know it's good to have a little time to talk about our favorite game and our favorite hobby, MCP, outside of the uh, real crap sometimes, you know? Yeah, man. Life's been tough lately, and I'm excited to uh, talk more in humans with you today. But more importantly, get on a plane <laughs> in like a day or two. Get up there, hang out with everybody. Yeah, I'm jealous. Do well in the main event, hopefully, and uh, come back with some some cool stories of, of hangs and, and some cool stories of battle reports for you guys. 
most importantly, make some friends and learn a lot. You know, that's my biggest takeaway. <laughs> it's funny. After, right after we record this episode, you and I are about to talk more about this on After Dark. And uh, that'll be this month's After Dark. And we'll just talk about my list and maybe some LVO prep and stuff. And, you know, see how right or wrong we are. You know, we, it'd be a oh, fun man. little time capsule to talk about who we think yeah. is going to do well, what, you know, what teams and stuff. And I yeah. have some theories and I know Chris does too. I'm excited to talk to you about it. Uh, I'm excited to, I'm, I'm excited to pick your brain. Uh, about it you know we we think this game very differently mm. and uh it's always fun to compare notes usually it's you blowing my mind but every once in a while i sneak <laughs> in a, a little different perspective for you absolutely you know rewind the podcast day one day one chris and i were reading those black cat spoilers and uh we were convinced that she was a little out of control and chris especially uh was harping on her steel as he should have been and uh look at where we're at now black cat is uh well, she's she's been reined in a little bit, which is a good feeling. Oh, it's awesome. It's she's awesome. She's still a great character in her affiliated teams, especially the Web Warriors and Midnight Suns. Should definitely be playing her in those spots. But you yeah, should. I'm really excited. It's crazy. We we always record these eleventh hours, Chris, and you know we talk about our podcast. We've been around for three years. Like this is a time capsule of a moment. This is a time capsule of pre a full blown LVO. I mean, we had a full blown LVO last year, but the world had just reopened for the first time and there wasn't events of an entire year before that. So it was more like it was LVO, but it wasn't the world tournament that it is this weekend where it's like everyone there has qualified won something. Um, I'm going with my Lone Star open qualifier. If you haven't heard that episode, definitely check that out in our feed uh, called storm's finest and no game is going to be easy, but every game is going to be great and fun and I'm going to learn something. Yeah, this feels like the real deal, not only for all those reasons that that you mentioned, Jesse, but the game has exploded over the last year. Yes. So it, it's not only is the world back open, uh, more models, more characters, more hype throughout the year, more tournaments, more games being played at a competitive level. Yeah. It's just more competitive players. It's Absolutely. awesome, dude. It's no, awesome. It's super awesome. Well, and what's so great about LVO too, Chris, is like everyone from last LVO to right now that has won something and qualified is showing up to this. So, I mean, we have people coming from Canada. We have people coming from, you know, overseas and stuff. So there's a lot of cool things happening. And just to get this many high caliber players of MCP all together is nuts. And then on top of that, you've got people who didn't qualify, but that are going for all the side events, the scrambles the the side tournaments and i i wish i could be there for those man i really really do it's an excess of mcp so it's very exciting and i think you're absolutely right chris the craziest thing about this is any player going to this could absolutely win and i have confidence that any one of us could could do it what's crazy is i have no the game's in such a good spot i'm very confident it could be done with like almost any team in the game you know what i mean and that's a cool place for us to be in especially because even eight months ago we weren't quite in the spot you know there were some certain teams that were dominating and things like that and wow crisis change and the little tweaks to the rules and erratas and stuff like that has really helped and i have no idea who's who's going to take it and you and i will talk more on that after dark very soon well we'll see could be that we just haven't figured out the new oppressive thing as a as a group yet and this weekend might uh, might bring it to the forefront <laughs> spoiler i think we figured it out i just uh, we're waiting to see it, it show Uh-oh. up and it uh well one of them you know and i think yeah, i think i know what we're talking about very much one of them i think uh spoiler teaser for our after dark but i think very much one of them is absolutely brotherhood and 
and um, they have all the tools now, and they already they already had all the tools, but they got more. And um, I think the crisis change just helped them too. So I'm really excited to see some really powerful Brotherhood players out there representing and uh, putting the heat on me. Uh, and we have a cool thematic matchup. Hopefully, you know it'll be good. It'll be good. Magneto's leadership is very very scary right now. Absolutely. But Chris, we're not here talking about LVO today. You know, this is the calm before the storm, and. We'll be talking LVO next episode in great detail, also continuing our series of the Inhumans, which is what we're doing today. And we discussed Black Bolt last episode and got a lot of good feedback from you guys saying you really enjoyed that episode. And uh, it made you want to look at Inhumans with a closer eye, which is very exciting for me. Well, today's gonna today's not going to help that inclination. Absolutely not, because today we're talking about the best Inhuman in the game right now, and obviously the best splashable Inhuman as well, Medusa. Say the full name, Jesse. Say it. <laughs> Just like Black Bolt. We're going to do this all episode. Okay. Medusalith, Amaquilin, Boltagon. Excellent. All right, Chris, let's take care of some business. Fury's Finest is supported by Mr. Laser and Discount Games, Inc. Go to mr-laser.square.site and discountgamesinc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol needs of course our patrons support us here on fury's finest by supporting us monthly and getting access to the patron discord community so we take this time to thank and show all of our patrons our support if you enjoy our show and like to help us out and you know contribute and join the community consider supporting with us with a monthly contribution we take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support this week we want to send a very special shout out to william William, thank you so much. Thank you, William. It means a lot. And of course, Chris, we cannot do this show without our Avenger producers. They help us pay our bills and keep the show going. Um, They also help keep the Discord and all of our hosting fees and everything going. That, of course, is Rusty, Dylan, Nathan, Brian, Rich, Jason, and Puyan. Those are our Avengers. And just like the Avengers teams, they are expanding. It's fantastic. It is incredible. All right, Chris, let's get over to Medusa lore. All right, Jesse. These Inhumans are proving to be an interesting challenge. Yep. Given that they were mostly introduced in one fell swoop and generally are involved in each other's stories for the most part, it is uh, interesting how little many of them have done apart from the others. Of course, that's changing as we get mm. into uh, newer comics and and. Yeah. You know, I, I'd almost feel like I'd want to say the Inhumans are starting to find a little bit of traction hmm. uh, in the modern era, but not. I wouldn't go as far to say that they're anything special yet. But well, and I would preface here and say all these Inhuman episodes. There's a reason we're doing them all together. I mean, we like to do series together, but at this series in particular, I mean, they all do kind of build off of each other. And Chris's lore is very much that. You know. Black Bolt was the most extensive because he is the leader and he's the one who's been around the longest, but it's like you said it in the last episode, Chris, a lot of their content is a royal family based within itself. Soap opera, you know, and a lot of it's contained in that format. And of course, you know, the more humans we get into, it's more within that world, I feel like, and they have lesser roles and that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. It's all good. But luckily today we're going to talk about just a surprise cool character here in Medusa. Who is Medusa? She is the queen of the Inhumans, the bride of Black Bolt. She is 
a member of the royal family. She was born into the royal family. She is, of course, cousins with just about all of them. Maximus, Black Bolt, her husband. They are second cousins. Karnak and Gorgon, all cousins, all exposed to the Terrigen Mist as children. All kind of grew up together. Of course, Medusa and Black Bolt have been betrothed for quite some time. But I, Jesse, I'm tangenting. I have got to get back on track here. We have got to now talk about her superpowers. Right. Medusa, of course, comes with the generalized suite of inhuman, you know, cookie cutter, superpowers, super strength, speed. She, If she were a human in our universe, she would be the greatest athlete ever. Right. But probably not, you know, a, a wonder, but not something like, you know, Superman suddenly appearing, right? Right. But the Terrigen Mist gave her a great gift. She has the power to control her hair as if they were a vestigial tail of sorts. She can grip with them that they, they are hands, every individual strand she can control. And she is extremely powerful with them due to some kind of psionic power, psionic force, uh, probably some kind of subconscious psionic force, uh, the pressure that should happen. Like say when she's lifting a huge, boulder with her hair the pressure that should be put on her neck and on her joints and on her back it's just not there there's some kind of psionic okay strengthening to all this to kind of get around basic physics you know i'm cool with that it makes for cooler cooler looking panels so it's all good each strand of her hair can support 6.4 pounds she has a ton of strands of hair <laughs> therefore she can lift literally tons I mean, really, when it comes down to it, that's the end of her powers. Her hair is explored as being bulletproof and various kinds of deadly and or protective. Uh, But at the end of the day, she is just a very powerful figure, not only because of her superpowers, but the power she wields with being the queen of the Inhumans and the sway that she has with Black Bolt and, and things like this. She, of course, is created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Medusa's first appearance is in Fantastic Four, number 36, which came out in December of 1964. It's right there with Black Bolt, right? Yes, sir. And I guess something we didn't talk about in her superpowers, Chris, but I mean, it's understood if you see the visual of her character, but her hair is longer than her body length. Her hair is like approximately six feet long. Oh, yeah, man. And like, that's a big part of this too, because it's like the amount of hair she has, how thick her hair is and the length of it adds to all these superpowers you just described, right? Because she has frankly more of it and um, yeah, she can do a lot with it. And uh, it being longer than her body is very important because it helps her do things like, I mean, you've seen the MCP mini, it's elevating her off the ground. Yeah, because which is, it's, it's so longer cool. Than it's her like, body. it's like, she's, she's running with the, uh, almost looks like the, the Dr. Octopus tentacles. Yeah. Yeah. But it's her hair. She's lifted up. It's, yeah, it's really kind of a it's really kind of a cool visual. And you think about it in like the uh, X Men ninety two, yes, kind of uh, animation style, or even the Marvel Ooh, animation that the, the Inhumans have been in. It looks neat. Like it's just a cool visual. Absolutely. So I thought this might be a good time to kind of get into before 
the Inhumans uh, made their first appearance chronologically, canonically, of course, there was they had lives up to that point that had not been fleshed out yet. So Medusa is born to Quelan and Amber. She is the older sister of Crystal, whom we will talk about very soon. And like I said, she is born into the royal family and she is born to be queen from the start. She and Black Bolt have basically been betrothed betrothed since they were nine uh, and gotten steadily closer ever since. Of course, uh, they were really, really bonded in grief, like we talked about last week, with the uh, death of Black Bolt's parents. When that happened, when Maximus kind of forced this issue and Black Bolt speaks and brings down this this massive airship killing his parents the two really really become inseparable but of course black bolt has not always been king and when black bolt's parents died he's not exactly old enough to be king either yet so there is literally a king before black bolt whom is the unspeakable he was a horrible person medusa very very along with black bolt and that the whole crew instrumental in helping bring this king down expelled from adelon a few times uh, she even as as a child you know has to rebuff the advances of this king who fancies her as her queen very you know medieval dark ages type thing here mm. you know disgusting stuff you know but that's that's what comics do they they show us evil and they show us those that resist it in a lot of ways, and a lot of times, especially characters from the sixties like this, when we're talking about these, these stories with the comic code, um, there is a lot more here that goes into the next big portion of Medusa's individual comics history. Uh, I do not necessarily want to get into it all. It's a lot of Cree 25,000 year years ago, experiment stuff, but at the end of the day, Maximus causes a revolt of the of a, a servant class in in human society, and through helping kind of defeat this this revolt in Maximus, Medusa is involved in a a crash, and when she wakes up from this crash, uh, she remembers who she is, but not anything else. It is you know amnesia of course and atalon at this time is located on earth so she kind of wanders off and uh ends up finding herself in paris so for a while she's going to be out on her own jesse living amongst humans not knowing fully who she is uh, her memory will be tampered with a little bit by a villain named the wizard Awesome. Jesse, in Paris, she will fall in with a master thief. And through him, she will kind of learn more about human society. She will become a master thief herself, though she will always, once again, uh, reject uh, his advances. And at, at one point, it will become too much, and she will leave. Uh, you, you'll see that she's very picky with um, who she wants to be with romantically, which is good for a female character during these years, you know? Meanwhile, the inhuman royal family is fairly confident that she is alive 
as they found no evidence of a body at the crash site. So Gorgon, her cousin, has kind of been on Earth looking for her. After leaving the Master Thief, she will be discovered by this villain, the Wizard. Uh, the Wizard will kind of mess with her mind a little bit to to keep those memories um, away, keep them back, uh, and she will join his frightful four. So they are. I hope we get to talk about them again. Uh, at some point, but uh, the it is the wizard, it is Medusa, it is the Sandman, and Paste Pot Pete. What a name! He would eventually become Trapster, of course. Now, the goal of the wizard and his frightful four is to be enemies of the Fantastic Four, of course. And through this, Medusa will be introduced to the Fantastic Four. Um, by being a uh, antagonist of theirs. Eventually, Gorgon will capture Medusa after uh, Medusa and the Frightful Four are up to some shenanigans. And I mean, coolest to me here, Jesse, is Dragon Man makes some some big, big plays, gets some cool panels. Always, always happy to see the big android breathing fire. So Medusa will it rejoin the Inhumans uh, with Gorgon. So being around her family is going to bring help bring back her memories. And of course, at this point, Crystal has fallen for Johnny, the Human Torch, and they're going to get married. Of course, this wedding will be crashed. It will lead to Maximus uh, deploying a uh, force field around Atalan that can only be destroyed by Black Bolt, um, and Black Bolt, when doing this, is going to level Atalan. So everyone, you know, gets underground, hides, gets safe. It happens. Uh, the royal family's kind of kicked out because Maximus is a huge jerk. Black Bolt just destroyed Atalan. And, you know, Medusa is sent. Uh, you know, she's the inhuman that spent the most time around humans at this point with, with her uh, time with amnesia. So she is going to be this kind of woman on the inside. She's going to go learn about earth culture, see what's going what's going on and be this kind of envoy. Uh, it's not going to go well at first, but eventually Franklin Richards will start to develop his incredible powers. And the invisible woman is going to have to take some time off from the fantastic four to, to raise Franklin and, and help keep keeping this reality warper from just absolutely warping all of reality. So when this happens, it is decided that is an excellent idea for Medusa to join the team. This is going to help Medusa do her kind of reconnaissance, get used to the earth, and she's going to be an envoy of sorts, a public face for the Inhumans, getting humanity used to the idea a little bit. Because after all, they are in the Himalayas. That's where Atalan is. Soon they'll they'll move it to the blue zone of the moon like we talked about a little bit last week. But Medusa's going to spend some time with the Fantastic Four. And I think, I think this is really pretty cool. Her away from... Black Bolt, not just being his mouthpiece, not just being his queen. She she is out there, I mean, legitimately superheroing 
and she is a force, man. She takes people out with ease. She's very, very good. She's very, very strong. But with the end of her time on the Fantastic Four, that's going to kind of put an end to her solo heroics for a while. There's going to be some more things explored later um, that, Jesse, we're just not going to get into today. Um, We do not have time to do a full, absolute full breakdown of the Inhumans uh, (laughs) lore today. Because unfortunately, like I said, with one Inhuman, aside from Miss Marvel so far, comes all of Inhuman history. Yeah. Introduced together, grown up. Most of the characters grew up together. Uh, Most of their stories kind of go with each other. But I will say there are some very cool things going on with Medusa in modernity. And I think she is a very cool and very strong character that I am very, very happy to have gotten to learn more about over the course of the last week. And honestly, I plan to learn more in my own time at this point, which I think should say a lot. No, it absolutely does. And something you talked about, which I think is very important with this character, but it's something you brought up and something we'll continue to bring up. You know, she is Black Bolt's mouthpiece because she communicates through him telepathically and with sign language, which I think is so cool. And so she's the voice of the entire kingdom. At times, not always. Yeah. Yeah. But then, but then, like you said, in combat, on missions, in certain storylines, completely holds our own in one-on-one combat with most people. It's really interesting, right? It's that dichotomy between a Black Bolt, which is almost a cosmic level of power. He 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 has yes. planetary level power. He can destroy yes. planets. Uh, Medusa decidedly cannot. Okay. But in hand-to-hand combat, in, in one-on-one situations, in non- I guess in micro scale on individual scale, it's almost like a Wolverine to a Jean gray, right? Mm, Wolverine in that micro scale, in that actual skirmish type thing is a huge difference maker. Mm. Uh, Whereas Jean is an absolute cosmic threat at times. So absolutely. I think we've got a little bit going on, a little bit of that going on here with Medusa and black bolt, which I'm here for it. Well, and at the end of the day, I mean, even if she didn't have any of these powers and stuff, she's queen of a powerful kingdom, right? And that's, yeah, we've seen what that power holds uh, in many storylines. Like you've mentioned, a lot of these medieval storylines and things are pulled directly into this inhuman storyline because that's kind of their system. You know, they're kind of more old school in that way. King, queen, hierarchy. And uh, I don't know. I just find that very cool. But you're right, Chris. We can't stay in lore forever. And, you know. In the MCU, Medusa's only had one appearance, and it was played by the actress Serena Swan, who played Medusa on the Inhuman show that we lovingly referenced last episode, and we'll continue to reference again. You know, none of these actors got their full time to do this. One season is just not enough, is what it is. But uh, they did showcase her powers and her hair in the show in a big way. Will they return to Medusa in the future? Time will tell. We will see. Um, We saw what they did with Black Bolt, so you never know. I think we'll I think we'll get there. It's just gonna take time. Yeah, it might be the same actress, might not, but that's all we have in the MCU so far. But Chris, that leads our lore section to close out as it always does with your comic book recommendations. Once again, the Inhumans with everything happening the way it does, kinda hard to do. So I'm stretching these out into different different kind of things. Uh, I would love to recommend 
use some old Fantastic Fours with her in it, but it would just be me reading a list of of different numbers, and we're not going to do that, guys. Um, so let's do the Royals Volume One and Royals Volume Two. Go ahead and read them. They're they're fleshing out the Inhumans in a big way in some backstories. Al Ewing does Volume One. Awesome writer. Check them out. All right. Well, very good comic book recommendations, Chris. And it's time to move on to Medusa and Marvel Christ Protocol. Her name is Medusa. Her alter ego, here we go again, is Medusa Lith, Amaquilin, Boltagon. She is a four-threat character and very much represents this threat level. Her defenses are three across the board, three physical, three energy, three mystic. On her healthy side, she has a stamina of six. She's a size two, so she's a standard size model on a standard size small base. And she's a medium mover, which is a very standard model thing as well. But on her injured side, Chris, she also has six stamina, putting her at that nice 12. I like 12 stamina. It's not bad, uh, especially when you've got some things like, uh, you know, we've done two episodes of it now, Miss Marvel and uh, Black Bolt, the Inhuman reroll on your defenses. Yeah, I mean, it's nice, but it doesn't help with pay to flips. Now, what's which... funny is oh? Miss Marvel has better defenses than her. Miss Marvel is mm-hmm. three, four, three. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It is interesting. But I think it's just one of those things where Medusa's worst thing is her defensive stats, which are fine. Everything else on her card is absolutely stellar. She's nuts. And we're about to get into that, but I just, it is always weird to, we're, this is like, she's probably one of the only four threats in the game. That's just three, three, three. Yeah, I know. It's interesting, right? Yeah, but the th- the inhuman role makes it three and a half. It makes yeah. it weird. And you got people like Logan, who's four, four, two, you know, like there's just things that are different. So, I find it very interesting, and I just think in the absolute least, Chris, and something you and I have talked about in the last two episodes, but the Inhuman reroll, it just feels good. It just feels good. It feels like you're- Oh, yeah. feels like you're cheating. Yeah, you're. it feels like you're cheating, and it also feels like you're an active participant in your characters, because like your opponent's doing things, you're rolling, you're re-rolling a defense dice. Uh, you're attacking, you're re-rolling an attack dice. So it's like all the Inhuman stats are a little bit not quite accurate. Because they're all like a 0.5 or one more, you know? So that's a good way to look at it. So I'm happy Medusa's 333 at the end of the day, really, is what I'm saying. Because if she was like 443 or something, it'd be nuts with this reroll and stuff. And uh, 12 health is respectable. But keep in mind, she's a small base with a mini move. She's not very fast. She's just normal speed. Not slow, not fast. She doesn't need to be fast because she does a lot. And Jesse, I think it's time to get into it. She has two attacks. They are both physical. Let's start with Braid Bash. Range three, strength of five, power cost of zero. After this attack is resolved, Medusa gains power equal to the damage dealt. So a true builder. Strength five at range three, that's gross. That's like... It's so good. It's legit nasty. We got more to talk about. On a wild, you will trigger push. If... The target character is size three or less before damage is dealt. Medusa may push the target character short on Mm. a critical and a wild. You will trigger flurry. After this attack is resolved, Medusa may make a braid bash attack. This additional attack does not have the flurry special rule. Right. You can never just trigger flurry and infinitely. A couple things to talk about, Chris. Tell you when a push on a size three or less is incredible. Lizard has this, but Lizard has a worse attack because it's four dice. Right. So five dice with a reroll, you're you're going to be getting this fairly consistent. 
Yeah, yeah it's six dice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're you're getting the push most of the time. Yep. Uh, and you're getting the flurry a lot of the time. A couple things to talk about. So size three push very impactful. Not a lot of characters have a size three push on their strikes. Uh, usually a spender sort of situation or a throw. Very big deal. But also keep in mind, um, Medusa's had some changes since her. F- original iteration and they they added more symbols on the flurry which i think is very good because uh you don't want her to hit flurry every time it seems no. too oppressive but also chris keep in mind that flurry can be the same target or can be a different target now i say keep this in mind because if you want to push a target and then you want to flurry into that same target make sure you push them in a way where they don't go like the absolute max distance like maybe they clip a car or something keep them within three Right, because if they're a medium, if they're a bigger base at all, they're just gone. They're out of your range. <laughs> and then also, like you want to keep the flurry and push range within what you can do. But also, inversely, Medusa being the control piece, an amazing control piece she is, you could push one target, flurry into another target, and ideally push them right. And you right. just displace two models with one attack which also built you power, which well, is unbelievable because you're, you're seeing a theme of her kit. A theme of her kit is that she can displace, honestly, she can displace up two to four models every time she activates if you're doing everything right and you're getting the power you need. So just keep in mind the order matters, who you attack matters, and the push and the flurry obviously matter, right? Sometimes you can push and it could be too far and then you, you got flurry, but it doesn't matter because now they're out of range. Well, so, step in mind. There, there are some options for some pretty advanced plays with this attack, which we will get to very shortly, Jesse. But we have some stuff on the card before we get to Royal Decree. So let's talk about that spender. Let's talk about split right. ends. This is an another physical attack, like I said earlier. Area two, strength of seven, power cost of six. That is a lot of power. Mm-hmm. Before damage is dealt, if the target character is size three or less, place the character within one of Medusa. More displacement. At your discretion also. That's pretty cool. On a wild, you will trigger bleed. After the attack is resolved, the target character gains the bleed special condition. So you're throwing seven dice at hopefully three characters. If they're not bigger than size three, you're displacing them off of that control point or or what have you, maybe out of being able to attack a uh, objective carrier of yours or something like that, just or just being kind of a, a built-in stagger in another way, forcing them to make a move action instead of being able to double tap. But this is uh, this is very, very strong. She has got two attacks now, two different ways to displace people. And we've talked we've been talking <laughs> about it for years, Jesse. Displacement yeah. in this game is huge. It's the game. And we're fixing to get into some superpowers that are more also displacement. Yeah, quick summary of this spender for me. It you know, it's the thing you're gonna do the least on her card for sure. Yes. Six is a lot, but this could also just be a game closer in the sense of like you move two or three models within range one of you on your backside away from the point that they were on, and you're on the point on range one and you you move them off of it behind you and you just win the game. Right. Um, the way I look at this is I don't look at this as seven, you know, cause you, you guys know on the podcast, like I, I don't count on dice. I count on effects and you know, the guaranteed effects of this is placing a multiple models within range one of her. So 
this could just win you the game in a weird way where it's like, oh, I'm on the back gamma, move a bunch of people off, you know, with the place one, right? And the game's over. I just scored the back gamma. I've won. Because keep in mind, Medusa could be range one of an objective. Like she could be range one of an objective. And then she places them on her backside range exactly. one of her way off that objective especially depending on their base size the bigger their base size the more detrimental it is to them yep getting further away and she could just win the game with this like chris said seven dice is respectable for a2 your goal with this is just doing three or four models if you're not doing three or four models you're probably going to want to do some of these other things which we're getting into now absolutely powers and her superpowers are excellent her first superpower is a active superpower called hair flip cost three which is very expensive but I'm very familiar with this price with Storm, but this is much better. Choose an enemy character of size three or less within range three and throw it short. The Super Arkham only use once per turn. I, I tell you, Chris, I play X-Men all the time. It's my primary team, and people get caught out all the time with Storm's range three throw size two. So this is a buffed up Storm throw. Keep in mind, her hair is reaching out at range three and throwing them. So the best use of this, honestly, is someone's at range three. You just throw them max distance right and you just keep them yeah, away just from straight your- backwards yeah you, it's it's a stagger like chris said straight exactly up. it's 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 affecting their action economy and instead of it really that's all you're doing is just forcing them to burn one of their two actions to get back to where they were and that's in a game where each character has only two actions that is massive right especially a game that doesn't necessarily go to round six ever right or every time rarely yeah so she can't throw terrain but she throws characters of size three or less which is most characters in the entire game are size three or less just straight up mathematically so she can throw most characters in the entire game short which is very nice uh i think three for three very fair very good but moving on she has one more superpower it's excellent it's an active superpower called royal decree cost two and we're going to break it down for you because it can get a little complex. Choose another allied character within two of Medusa. Place this character within one of the chosen character or place the chosen character within one of this character, Medusa. A character may be placed by the super only once per turn. Keep in mind, though, Chris, you could do this multiple characters as long as it's once per turn. So uh, this is my favorite super on the Howling Commandos. This is uh, a storm hop with outside of storm leadership, honestly. So it's great. I mean, value on this, of course, is better with allies that want to double attack or allies that are larger bases, right? Because you place them within one of Medusa and they're a larger base, they can just got a bunch of movement, or you place Medusa within one of a larger base ally, she gets a ton of movement from the hop. It's a storm hop. It's great. It's a storm hop, and it is great. But I really wanted to talk about. There's a couple points I want to make with this one. I'll start by building off what you've talked about. Think about Royal decreeing a Ronin in sure. front of you, an allied large base model, Medium and base. then Royal decreeing off of him, just bunny hopping off of him. That's yeah, yeah. a massive amount of movement in in one turn, and now you're able to, you still have two actions left. Now, granted, that is four power to do that. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you know. But what I really wanted to talk about is Braid Bash with Royal Decree. Okay. I want to talk about weaving in your Braid Bash, hopping over someone else. Yes. And then moving the both of the characters that you just moved with the first Braid Bash and its subsequent flurry again. Because you've pushed them out of range three with your first one. Oh, no. 
I wasn't supposed to, Jesse said not to do that. I've made a mistake. No, you haven't. Jump up an alley. You're jumping off Crystal, whoever's there, Lockjaw, whatever. You're jumping up off them. Now you're back within range three, and you've just pushed them a quarter of the way across the table. Two Absolutely. different characters, one activation. Disgusting. Yeah, and hopefully you're dominating that now aggressive secure, right? Because you you just took over that enemy secure. And you also built up power to hair flip anyone who is close enough to hair flip away as well. Like she clears out space for a mosh pit. Like I have never, ever seen. (laughs) That's true. Chris That's absolutely true. It speaks to our past and it's very true. Um, This character, she is incredible at controlling an area of the map. That's her, that's her goal. And Royal decree also keep in mind, if you see an opponent sit down at a table with you, They have Medusa and they have advanced R&D. They can Royal Decree and they will Royal Decree round one. Someone big. Oh, they have Sentinel Prime in their list. They Royal Decreed him up round one with advanced R&D. So keep that in mind. There's round one plays with this Royal Decree as well that are absolutely terrifying. They get their engine rolling quicker than you could ever imagine. Um, It's almost like they're playing. Some of their characters are playing the top of round two in the middle of round one which is just kind of breaking the game a little bit in certain ways because they got actually, they got free movement, you know, they, they got a storm hop. It's, it's kind of like a ramp, a ramp deck of sorts. If you are into collector card games uh, of any kind, just sure. You, you know, it's that action economy. You are just ramping it up. You're skipping, you're skipping ahead a couple turns uh, on your placements and your actions. And that can be absolutely huge. And we talk about the snowball effect of a of an MCP game often on this podcast and that is just that is a way to get like you said the engine going quickly so that you can go ahead and have that big first round scoring have a good second round and just be in the driver's seat going yeah. into the later I'll rounds of the game yeah absolutely and I'll talk more of that in our affiliation discussion very soon there's some other cool plays we can do around with this world decree but Closing out her superpowers, she has a couple of innates that are ones we've seen, you know, and we're going to keep seeing them, but she has the inhuman innate. This character may reroll one die in its attack or defense rolls. Incredible. All of her attacks and all of her defenses are essentially buffed up by a half dice or a full dice mathematically, which is great. And it gives you consistency with knowing what you have before you reroll dice to get those wild triggers, to get those bleeds off, things like that. So to get those flurries off, to get those pushes off. So inhumans not only dice consistency but it's dice knowledge because we know the way the dice in this game work we know we roll dice we know we blow up our crits and then we modify and this is during the modify step so you have perfect information before you modify you know very very strong uh closing out she has two more innates she has living strands we did this on uh, angela this past year which is great when advancing or climbing so enemy characters cannot place the movement tool overlapping medusa's base enemy characters cannot modify or change attack dice when targeting her with attacks that's huge you know she's a small base this is not as effective as angela who's a medium size right but it still matters, Chris. You can't go straight over her back to that secure. You've got to actually walk around her. So that matters. But most importantly, effective this card is this is what Chris talked about in lore. Her hair is protecting her from attacks that she might even know are coming in. Her psionic, like exactly. the hair being psionically in tune with her body and her surroundings. No modifying. So I love no Shadowland reroll into her. No winging it into her. No card rerolls into her. So this is a big deal. It just makes her defenses even more 
even better than we thought they were, really. Yeah, this is her defensive tech. Yeah. Yeah. And then closing on her card, she's in a human. So what do you know, Chris? We've done this three episodes now, but she has an immunity to poison. I love it. I, I love it so much. Curious she doesn't have wall wall crawler given that hair, but seems good balance though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't need wall crawler in terms of the game. On her backside, nothing changes. She's still that six stamina. She has every ability and uh, you know, she has every attack and superpower she had before. That is Medusa. Yeah, this character, we've already hinted at it, we've said it multiple times. She picks a part of the map that's hers and she owns that. And that is her goal. And that is what she does. And I've already mentioned the top of the show, Chris. She's the best in human and she's also an incredible splash. <laughs> yeah, just given that amount of displacement, it's nuts. You can really, really, like you said, just dominate one side of the board. And if you get your activations correct, you're going to keep your opponent from scoring any secures on that side of the board. If you get the, if you get your orders correct and present yeah. enough questions away from Medusa to keep them from being able to deal with her, or perhaps Medusa is the question to open up a little breathing room for someone else. Well, here's what's cool too, Chris. Um, she's a control monster, but she can also spike on her dice and with yeah. those human rerolls and good, good dice pools and flurries. She can just delete models too, uh, randomly. And I say randomly, it's going to happen. You're going to have a spike turn every game and look out for that because she's going to, she's going to spike on her dice and she's going to flurry. And then she's going to have another average or better than average roll after that. And all of a sudden you've lost a model or two and she's going to throw a model because she got a bunch of power from that. And um, that's her round, right? So there's a lot of cool things going on, but we've got to talk about another inhuman tactic card before we talk about her affiliations, because we're, we're, we're talking about inhuman tactic cards throughout this series. So this card, Chris, is called the Inhuman Royal Family. It's Inhumans and it's active. So of course, it has to be played on your turn when you're playing the Inhuman Leadership. Any number of allied Inhuman characters may spend two each to play this card. Once this round, each character that spent power to play this card may reroll any number of dice in their either their attack or defense rolls. Very cool card. Uh, very strong card, especially if you have priority, just straight up, because you're going to go top of round to say, oh, I pay... Everyone pays, you know, Black Bolt, Medusa, Ronin, Crystal, Lockjaw, they all pay. Karnak when and, he comes. Right. And I'm going to go with Medusa at the top of a round, or I'm going to go with Black Bolt at the top of a round, and I'm going to spend all, but reroll my dice on attack. But now it's my opponent's turn, and maybe they try to beat up, beat up on Crystal, right? And I'm going to reroll all of Crystal's defense dice to keep her up. So it's a good back and forth of like you deciding when you use whether they're attack rerolls or defense rerolls, right? And um, once again, you have perfect knowledge before you make this decision, really. Very cool. Very cool card. Yeah, very, uh, very it's a very flexible, very flexible card. You, you pay, Like you said, you pay for it at the top of the round, and then you have the option throughout the entire round with each character, which is very, very rad. Like just being able to, just knowing yeah. that you have that, on defense, uh, if maybe your your opponent's trying a big yes. power swing round, just yeah, just having it in the back pocket is super rad. Yeah, it's like a cool mix of like kind of like Miles leadership and Dark Rain on the. It's kind of like card. a mega winging it, right? Pay two, get this, Absolutely. get this mega winging it token that that rerolls a whole dice pool. Absolutely, but you know, keeping with our. In human series, we had to talk about it because we were going through each of the cards every week. Chris, I got to talk about Medusa's affiliation. She's only affiliated with two teams, which is more than Black Bolt. He has one. 
It's in humans. Of course, Medusa isn't in human, but secondly, she is part of a force. And does she sing in both these teams? My friend, she certainly does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, both these teams have power manipulation. We talked about the power last week of the powerhouse of the inhuman leadership, which is passing one power every turn at your will when, when, you, when you go. And what this means, I mean, this could mean Medusa's got her throw, guaranteed. Medusa's got her spender, possibly. Medusa's got her royal decree, uh, the double dip of the royal decree, like Chris gave an example of earlier. I want, I want to make that place so bad. Oh, it's double grade. It's oh, I know. I just one I haven't done yet, so I can't wait. But a force very similar. It's 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 more of a trickle. It's it's simpler, but it's like more power equals Medusa doing more things. And in fact, I think she's a staple of both these teams. Like she is yeah. such a power piece that the two teams she's affiliated with, she's part of the core. It's your core 10. It just is. Yep. So if you're interested in playing A-Force and in humans, I highly recommend playing Medusa. But let's talk about some other places that she can be played. Chris, right off the rip, one of my favorite places to play her, and I think one of the coolest places to play her, is Criminal Syndicate Shadowlands Daredevil. Because she's getting two re-rolls every time she attacks, which is absolutely absurd, essentially. Because, I mean, it's Shadowlands. You're only attacking people that are playing the game either on secures or holding extracts <laughs> and the amount of power economy she gets on her strikes and the amount of hair flips and throws she get like the amount of Royal decrees and throws she gets in this faction. It's nuts. It's a crazy thing. And I saw sooner do it at Lone Star open. Sure. I was impressed. I was blown away at the dice consistency she has in this affiliation. I mean, just just think how, think about how consistent she is normally, and then add one more reroll on top of that. The math just gets out of control of how consistent she is, getting her flurries, nasty her pushes, getting her strikes off, getting power. So Shadowlands Daredevil is a home for her, one hundred percent. But also inversely, the flip side of that, she's an incredible web warrior because she's getting a defensive reroll on top of a defensive reroll. So she's getting double defensive rerolls, and I have had a lot of success and fun playing her under the Miles leadership. That was going to be my big suggestion for this segment was playing her in Web Warriors, specifically Miles. And you stole that from me, you jerk. No, I'm just kidding. I, I no, it it's just <laughs> more displacement for a team that is already just whipping you all around the board. And she's not dying. Yeah. You're running around everywhere and she's just holding down a secure, possibly two. Yeah. Just being a being a problem. Yeah, I, incredible, incredible slot in to Web Warriors for sure. Well, and just there, here's a theme here, Chris. Like those, those are my, those are my number one picks. Those four teams: A Force and Humans, Shadowlands, and Web Warriors. But like it continues. This is, just shows how good of a model she is. She's incredible in Wakanda and X Force, really, because sure. more re rolls equals more consistency on her attacks. And these teams provide that to her, really. And Wakanda, she slots right in in a really cool way because they're already the displacement faction with consistent dice, right? So she's she's another displacement piece with consistent dice. <laughs> so she's adding more to what they like. But I mean, the list goes on. Like she's a, she's a great piece in Dormammu's Dark Dimension, right? She has that she has that royal decree round one, and she's going to use it on Dormammu, of course. 
He's already up there. He's ready to go, you know, or she could just run a decree off of him, right? A large base, right? And she could be up in the action. The list is almost endless where you could play her. I could go through every team in the game, but it's like, these are the standouts to me that I mention. Um, another cool place for her is defenders, because if she gets her strikes rolling, which she's probably going to get them rolling because she's just consistent you're spending a power to change her strikes to what you is the best thing in defenders and then give the enemy hex as well. It just makes her more efficient with her strikes, yeah. you know, more damage, more pushes. Uh, she's using their worst defense, right? So like she's one of those models, like the list goes on and on and on midnight sun. She loves the place, right? She places, pushes people, moves back, right? She's not a bad model. She's a good model everywhere. You put she's, it. I mean, wing it and, and guardians. She's nuts. She's absolutely nuts. I have played guardians players with Medusa's. She is to be feared in that team, right? Cause she kind of has what we just talked about this in human card. She has wing it. So she can either use on attack or defense to better help her. Right? So you put her where you want and you have a good time. The real thing is, is you need a model that fulfills her role, which is this, Four threat, fairly defensive control piece that can also spike and do a bunch of damage sometimes. And she is very much that. So if you need that in your team, slaughter in. And if you've got some large base models like a Sentinel Prime or a Dormammu or someone else who needs to be up in the action earlier, she's an incredible piece for the Royal Decree because I mentioned it at the start of this phase and I'll mention it again. The Royal Decree with advanced RD is always a threat. And in the Shadowlands Daredevil, once again, credit sooner. Again, Sooner was doing advanced R&D, Royal Decreeing Bucky up the board and double tapping round one with Bucky. Range five rifle, right? Not not many better long range double tappers in the game. No, because that's in theory four rapid fires, right? Yep. So round one, you've already got your, your economy going, your attrition going. And Medusa, she did that, and then she double moved to a point, and she's ready for round two. So she is a threat in Shadowlands Daredevil. Be aware of it. And in fact, Shadowlands Daredevil just got better with the crisis changes. It was already one of the better affiliations in the game, and I think they they shot up higher. And I think Medusa is going to dominate in this new world where crises are all together, everything's squished in on the map, and she's pushing people multiple ways. She's killing models, kills a model in front of her, pushes two models on either side of her. What a turn, right? That's one turn of hers, right? <laughs> so I think that if you haven't played in humans, absolutely play Medusa in humans. And if you haven't tried Medusa outside of humans, try outside of humans. But Chris, at the same time in humans, she is a breadwinner because she's doing all these things we talked about in this episode, but also she is a battery to pass power to her other members of her team because she's just getting that strike power off, right? And she's passing it to her. As long as she's not whiffing, as long as those dice and she, like you said, she is good at being dice consistent. She's having consistent dice and dude, she's just too good. It's kind of wild (laughs) uh, that she, it's good. The flurry has two, triggers now well yeah it was one of those things where character got nerfed get rid of her which it's perfectly natural human reaction right not as good as it used to be let's see what else is there but you got to put yourself in the mind space of she was like possibly the best four in the game right and then even without she's she's still right there yeah so she's she's top of the pack still um player trier uh she fits everywhere i mean Every team you can think of, she she can have a role. Kingpin, Criminal Syndicate, another threat. Hold this, hold the point. Counting us two. Good luck. Good luck. Uh, the list goes on and on. And uh, you know we're not going to go through every team, but it's like 
give her a shot, have some fun, and displace multiple models in a turn every turn. And just, uh, you know, feel like you're controlling all those strands of hair like Chris talked about in Lauren. There it is. Easy. Easy. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Find us online. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitch at Fury's Finest. And follow us on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast. Email us at Fury's Finest at gmail.com. And leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps us out. Spotify people, we see you. You're, you're catching up to the Apple people. One day, you guys are going to surpass the Apple people, and I'll be very happy. It's going to be very impressive. Both reviews combined, it's a very impressive number. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. And like Jesse said constantly humbled by you guys thank you so much 100 unfortunately we have to ask you to keep it up well new people are finding the show all the time chris so that's why we ask because you guys are doing the work uh you're doing word of mouth in your local communities and you're doing uh the work online you know like like we said in our spotify stats it still blows our mind we were top 50 percent of podcasts shared online last year you know and that's because you guys at home sharing it with other people and Click on our links on our social media pages when I post it and stuff. So it means a lot to us. Of course, you can find us online. You can find me, Jesse, on Twitter and Instagram at Jesse Aiken. That's Jesse with just J-E-S-S-E and Aiken with E-A-K-I-N. Of course, I'm on Discord at Fury's Finest and Longshanks, Jesse Aiken with Fury's Finest in my surname. And uh, I say all that because uh, we'll be in LVO time. By the time you're listening to this, like you're probably traveling to LVO or you're about to leave. And uh, yeah, I want you guys to find me and reach out to me if you're there. So definitely find me at LVO and um, say hello. And if not at LVO, hopefully Chris and I will find you guys at some future cons this year. Chris, where can everyone find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. I will not be at LVO and I'm sad. Yeah, hopefully you can live through... uh, you sit here and try to avoid it, but well, I'll the, be I'll be working. Yeah, the patron Discord. I will be posting stuff in the patron Discord Friday through Sunday, of course, and then maybe I can sneak some stuff on Twitter. I'm never on Twitter these days, but hopefully, I can find time, drop some stuff on there with you guys, uh, some hangs. Um, you know, I know in the absolute least because I I listen to Omnis's feed. We're getting an Omnis vodka blitz and Nate from taco truck and me jesse group x-men photo at some point oh that'll uh, be fun of the i guess x-men qualifier people x-men uh cultist uh word spreaders or something on the community all together that'll be really fun i'm really looking forward to that yeah i'm looking forward to hanging out hanging out with everyone um it's fun to do a character episode right before this chris because you know we have no idea what's going to happen and next episode we'll come back and we'll know what happened so <laughs> it is what it is I'm excited. I wish I could be there to watch it unfold, but uh, professional casual on Twitch. Yeah, I know. I, I'm uh, well, <laughs> I'll be at the office as it were. Uh, yeah. So I, I'll, I'm excited to dissect all the happenings and goings on. No, absolutely. I mean, happenings on social media. And then, of course, I just mentioned it. I'll mention it again. Definitely follow the professional casual networks Twitch because they will be streaming the entire event and Omnis and Tyson have even allocated more time between matches and stuff. So top table players and stuff can go do interviews at the professional casual booth while they're streaming. So hopefully you guys will see me on one of those streams. Cause I love those guys. I love, I, I love that team people that put on that very stream and um, you know, 
our own very special Dr. D has been on their podcast a lot lately too, which is very great, but uh, they'll be covering everything. So in the very least, if you can't be there between discord, social media and their feed, when you, when you get time, you know, you can take that in, definitely be there. Like it, it'll be, it'll feel like being there, which is great. I think they're being hard lined in Chris. So they'll, they'll be streamed. It's all, so cool. All weekend. It's so cool. So what more can we ask for as a community, you know? So bless them for doing this, bless them for traveling with all that equipment. I know what that's like out of nuts, all those mics, all those cameras, all those computers, uh, for streaming and, uh, giving us the coverage. We all, you know, want to stay plugged in and know how everybody's doing. So we'll see you guys on the other side, you know? <laughs> so I'm excited to report back, but until next time, thanks for listening. True believers. Excelsior. has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Finn Buck says you're wrong. 